Back to throw, looking, deep padded, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have a loaded Tuesday pod for you. We're going to get into the numbers, the snap counts, the rankings, all the aftermath of Week 14 in the National Football League. Plus, we'll dive into the All-22, hear from the assistant coaches, and take the temperature of the team with three weeks to go. All of that and more on this Tuesday, December the 15th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and a whole lot more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Let's go ahead and jump right away into the Dolphins team rankings after 14 weeks of the 2020 NFL season. And offensively, 25.4 points per game is 15th best in the National Football League. The Dolphins have the 27th ranked offense, 27th ranked rushing offense, and 22nd ranked passing offense. They've allowed the 15th fewest sacks in the NFL, and their third down offense is 25th best in the NFL. On defense, 18.8 points per game allowed. That's second best in the NFL, just 0.6 points off the Steelers' pace for the top spot in the National Football League. Miami's defense is ranked 18th in total defense, 22nd in rushing defense, 18th in passing defense, and the Dolphins' third down defense is best in the National Football League, 33.1%. They have the are tied for the 11th most sacks in the league, and their 25 takeaways is tied for first with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So those are your team rankings. As far as some individual stats and snap counts here, let's go ahead and start as we do with the special teams first and talk about the fact the Dolphins still, for the seventh straight week, remain atop Football Outsiders DVOA special teams ranking. They're 9.1% DVOA, which is defensive adjusted value over average. I know it's a mouthful. They are number one in the NFL in that category. Wide receiver Jakeem Grant is the NFL's top punt returner. He has 323 yards as a punt returner. And Jason Sanders, 30 field goals are second most in the NFL. His eight field goals from 50 yards or beyond are tied for the most in the NFL. And his 93.7% success rate on field goals this year is third among kickers who have at least 20 attempts on the season. Punter Matt Hawk registered just his second touchback of the season on Sunday. He's tied for the fifth fewest, minimum 10 punts among all NFL punters. His 22 punts downed inside the 20-yard line are tied for sixth in the National Football League. We talked about penalties on yesterday's top news story, and Brian Flores once again has this team near the top of the fewest penalties assessed against them and fewest penalty yardage assessed against them in that category. They've been penalized 60 times for uh, 499 yards this year. The 60 penalties is third fewest and the 499 yards is the second fewest in the National Football League. As far as some of the advanced stats on offense, first we start with the snap counts. And Tua Tungavailoa played 83 snaps. That was good for 100%. He joined Solomon Kinley, Ted Karras, Jesse Davis, Robert Hunt as players that played every snap on offense. 
And as a whole, the Dolphins offense with those rookies, uh, Hunt, Kinley, and Tungavailoa, along with Austin Jackson, who played 75 snaps in the game, and rookies Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden. Bowden played 59, Perry played 33. The Dolphins had 45.6% of their offensive snaps in this game come from rookies. So a little bit of perspective there on the offensive production with first-year players. Running back Patrick Laird led the way among backs with 42 snaps. That was 51% of the workload. DeAndre Washington was the only other running back to play in this game. 39 reps for him, good for 47%. So a pretty even platoon there. We talked about Bowden's 59 snaps. Mac Hollins gets 40 in the game. Malcolm Perry plays 33. Jakeem Grant, 31. Devontae Parker, 27. And Antonio Callaway rounds out the wide receivers with 22 snaps. At tight end, Mike Kosicki played 43. Adam Shaheen played 37. And Durham Smythe played 36. Plenty of players counted on in this game to play snaps. And then Austin Jackson, we talked about the four offensive linemen who went wire to wire. He played 75 reps. Julian Davenport played 11 in the absence of Jackson, as well as some heavy packages down around the goal line. And Christian Wilkins had three snaps on offense as a fullback slash eligible receiver into the game in those heavy packages. As for some of the offense's advanced metrics and stats, Tungavailoa hit a career high for the second straight week with 316 passing yards, his first 300-yard game as a pro. Per NFL Next Gen stats, he averaged 6.5 air yards per completion. That was the ninth most in the league this week. He did that with the 12th quickest snap or snap to throw time at 2.56 seconds. He completed three throws of 20 plus air yards for 74 total yards, a touchdown and a pick on those throws. And when he was blitzed, he completed eight of 15 passes for 80 yards, a touchdown and the one interception he's thrown this year in six starts. Running back Patrick Laird had the season high in terms of average yards after contact, 5.0 as he rushed for 19 yards on four carries and two first downs. DeAndre Washington picked up 27 of his 35 rushing yards in this game after initial contact. We talked about Lynn Bowden getting his highest workload. It resulted in a career-high 82 yards. He averaged 9.1 yards per target and six of those Seven catches that he made produced first downs. Mac Hollins also has a career high with 66 receiving yards. He did that on nine targets. Good for a nice solid 7.3 yards per target and 13.2 yards per catch for Mac Hollins. Tight end Mike Gasicki caught five of his six targets for 65 yards. That's a very impressive 10.8 yards per target. Also had two touchdowns for the second time in his career. All of his catches produced either points, a touchdown, or a first down. He's now fourth among tight ends with 602 receiving yards and sixth among tight ends with six touchdown catches this season. On the offensive line, Ted Karras and Robert Hunt had the lowest pressure per snap rate. They both allowed two pressures each on 65 pass blocking snaps apiece. And tackle Julian Davenport did not allow a pressure and his seven pass blocking snaps filling in for the injured rookie in Austin Jackson. On the defensive side, we take a look at the snap counts over here. Christian Wilkins, who played three snaps on offense, also led all interior defensive linemen with 43 snaps in the game. That's 69% of the workload. But Raekwon Davis is right behind him, 41 snaps. And Zach Sealer gives you 25 snaps in this game. Defensive end Shaq Lawson had 58 snaps. That was 94% of the workload. Emmanuel Ogbaugh played 49. Jason Strobridge had one. And then at linebacker, Coach Flores talked about this on Monday a little bit, being down Roberts and Van Noy, and more specifically Van Noy, who does so much from an off-ball and rushing linebacker off the edge 
Bogdanovich does a little bit of everything. He talked about Jerome Baker having to do more rushing in this game. He produces two and a half sacks, playing 61 of the team's 62 defensive snaps in this game. Kamu Gruje Hill played 37 snaps. That was 60%. Andrew Van Ginkle had 31, and Sam Aguavin got onto the field for six snaps in this game. Cornerbacks Byron Jones and Xavier Howard never left the field. They played all 62 snaps, as did safety Eric Rowe. Cornerback Nick Needham played 46 snaps in the game. Safety Brandon Jones played 34. That was two snaps more than Bobby McCain, who had to exit the game a couple of times with injuries. And safety Kayvon Frazier played 24 snaps. And Clayton Fedulam gave you seven snaps in the game. Now, as far as these defensive advanced metrics, there are some good ones. Howard had an interception for the fifth straight game, giving him nine on the season. That's the most in the NFL. He's now one interception away from tying the franchise record set back in 1967 by Dick Westmoreland, who had 10 picks that year. No NFL player has intercepted nine passes in a season since Chicago's Tim Jennings did it in 2012. And the last time a player recorded double-digit interceptions in one season was San Diego's Antonio Cromartie back in 2007. When targeting Howard this year, opposing quarterbacks have a passer rating of 53.4. That's second best among cornerbacks who have seen at least 30 pass targets in their direction. And we talk all the time about coverage, mirroring or marrying up with the pass rush and defensive play up front. Well, it started with these defensive tackles who all had very good games in this one. Rookie Raquan Davis has 35 tackles this year. That's most among rookie defensive linemen. Three of his five total tackles were within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Our, one of our favorite stats here on the podcast, a run stop. And since week nine, Davis has 14 run stops. That's fifth most in the NFL. You know who has the most over that period? Zach Sealer. He has 16 run stops in that period. And he is third at his position on the entire season with 27 run stops this year. He added three run stops and a quarterback pressure in the game on Sunday. And Christian Wilkins is right up there too. He had three run stops and a pressure on Mahomes three times in that category, including a half a sack along with Jerome Baker on that final sack of the game for Miami. Wilkins now has 25 run stops on the season. That's tied for seventh most among all NFL defensive tackles. Jerome Baker had two and a half sacks on the game. The 30-yard sack was the biggest loss this year on a sack, and the Dolphins are the only team in NFL history with two sacks of 28 yards lost or more. His 2.5 sacks on Patrick Mahomes was the most ever against that quarterback. He had eight tackles, Four of those were good for run stops, and he was second on Miami with three quarterback pressures. Shaq Lawson had four pressures. He led the way in that category, also made two run stops. Defensive end Emmanuel Ogba added three pressures to his season total, which is now up to 56, tied for third most among edge defenders with Los Angeles' Joey Bosa. What a season Emmanuel Ogba is having. If you go back and look at the tape, we'll talk about this later, he actually was a big part of that Jerome Baker 30-yard sack. He forced uh, Patrick Mahomes to kind of wheel and deal into that pressure of Jerome Baker. Andrew Van Ginkle had two run stops and also tipped the pass that led to the pick by cornerback Byron Jones, who, of course, did have his first interception as a Dolphin, also forced a fumble, and he was targeted just one time in the game for one reception and nine yards. Safety Eric Rowe had his second interception of the season and his third as a member of the Miami Dolphins. For the rest of the article, inside the numbers up on MiamiDolphins.com. Go check out the website. We do this every single week here on the Tuesday podcast and Monday up on MiamiDolphins.com. Let's go ahead and spin this thing forward now to the All-22 review. Getting a chance to watch this on the Game Pass after watching the broadcast version, watching Tony Romo compliment this Dolphins team, and of course, after being there in person on Sunday. But the All-22 review, we start with the offensive side of the football 
And earlier we talked about the snap counts and you might've noticed all the snaps played by the tight ends, each of them checking in with at least 35 snaps in this game. And certainly part of that is losing Parker and Grant to injuries, but there were some 13 personnel looks before that. They opened the game with back-to-back snaps out of 13 personnel. So it wasn't just by the injury design, by game plan design going into it, they used those tight ends. Second drive of the game, they work off the success of the fly sweep last week to Jakeem Grant coming across the formation taking that handoff, ripping off a pair of 20-plus yard runs. On this one, they sneak the tight end out into the area vacated by Jakeem's motion, and he's wide open at the line with room to run for 16 yards. Tungavailoa to Shaheen. like that play sequencing, building off of previous plays and using wrinkles on the new plays. The ensuing play was the Lynn Bowden touch, or, uh, pass, rather, and the Chiefs were just on top of it. Nothing else really to talk about it besides the fact that they covered it well. And then the third down conversion to Jakeem just before the Gasicki touchdown to finish up our general offensive scheme notes here. It it was a nice little simple short motion where Parker goes out and gets into a trips bunch look and then Grant just runs off a natural rub off that and it creates an opportunity for him to get wide open on the pass play. So some cool stuff there from uh, Chan Gailey and the offensive system. Let's go ahead and talk about Tua's game and his day starts off for me with that first third down throw an incomplete pass over the middle to Jakeem. The pass pro is terrific. The Chiefs get a hit on Tua after some time in the pocket on a TE stunt, a tackle and stunt that clears a run down the B gap on Tua from a free rusher, but everything else is picked up and the throw is really something. Miami motions Parker once again into a trip set into a tight formation or tight into the formation and the Chiefs bracket Parker on his over route coming across the formation and in behind him Jakeem is on a dig route a you know 10, 12, 15 yards downfield squared off inside and you see two of his hands separate with Jakeem still on the stem before he comes out of the break and a defender in the exact location where the football winds up going. So he's working off that leverage chasing the defender towards Parker the way window opens up after the ball has left to his hand and it meets Jakeem off that in cut just got to finish the play there but these anticipation throws are my favorite thing in all of football to watch dolphins or otherwise and he's really been doing it on a weekly basis more and more and you also see him building off an area of his game that personally I've loved since his days at college and I covered Dan Orlovsky talking about this too the third and three incomplete pass to Lynn Bowden right before Jason Sanders missed field goal in this game. You can see Tua carry out the RPO and in one motion he goes from facing the outside target and Mike Gesicki on a flat route to simultaneously getting his feet and eyes back inside to Bowden while he's beginning that throwing motion and he does something similar on the very next third down play the one that Orlovsky tweeted himself showing the goods as he put it on third and 11 from the plus 45 your three routes to the field are a takeoff a straight line go route towards the end zone from the furthest split receiver the corner route from the two receiver the next receiver inside and a flat from the three the furthest slot inside the safeties go back and it looks like they take a deep half each with the underneath corners kind of squatting that's the look of cover two I don't know the call that's what it looks like to me And what Orlovsky points out is the same thing we saw in the Bowden play. Tua in one motion looks and locates his body to the flat route while starting his motion to go over the top of that to the corner route. And the ball is out while once again, Gesicki is still on the stem, hasn't come out of the break. And I have to believe this is the stuff that Romo was impressed with early on when he mentioned it. The underneath corner takes a step forward and that was all he needed to know that he had a pocket to throw that football to. And he later does it again on the first play of the second quarter where his body's pointed one way the ball goes a different direction and on that same drive they run a slant off of an RPO with jet motion and the defensive end is left unblocked and you see him the defensive end chase inside for the potential handoff then to a fakes 
the, the throw to the flat and the defensive end runs back in that direction and then Tua just snaps the ball right in behind the area that he just displaced the defensive end from. So you got to love when you can leave a player unblocked like that and get the quarterback to influence him with those fine details to his game. The first touchdown pass to Mike Gesicki was a great job of just using his eyes and staying with the play. Gesicki flashes late, comes off that block, and the ball finds him between the eight and the eight on the jersey into a tight window. Nice throw there. On the second half of the game, he gets a free rusher right in his face and gets out in space to extend and create some space for the receiver as Matt Collins kind of breaks off the initial route. You have to create more time for the receivers to do that when the pressure closes in, no one's open downfield. And then later in the game, a free runner comes right up the B gap and Tua, just as quickly as he catches the shotgun snap, he has that thing out of his hand to Smythe on a slant. The ball handling and quick trigger were on point at times. Now, both he and Flores referenced some mistakes in the game. He talked about getting it out quicker and giving what the defense, or taking what the defense gives him rather, like a second down and eight sack in the second quarter. Looks like Shaheen flashes in the flat. I have no idea, again, what the play call or progression is, but maybe he's talking about stuff like that or on the safety where Mike Gesicki runs an over route. And again, I'm not sure what the call is, but it looks like he came open on that one. So you'd have to ask too about the progression there, but maybe those are some of the mistakes that he and Flo talked about in this game. And I'll just go ahead and finish with a note about the accuracy. I really like the confidence he has to try to fit those balls into tight windows. They say that sometimes covered guys are actually open in this league because of how good defensive backs are. And he's really putting the ball in position where his guys have a chance to win. I was really, really impressed with this game from our rookie quarterback. Now, we referenced the play of Mike Gesicki on several of those plays, and I just felt for Mike on Sunday. You could tell he was hurting after that injury he had to exit the game with, but what a game he had. He's had he's just added so many weapons to his route repertoire. He's got a nice shake. He can get through reroutes. He's become so deadly at catching contested balls, as we've seen, you know, the touchdown to go high point the football and then to double catch it on the kind of redirect. He did an awesome job on that play before the catch to kind of stack the defensive back and then slow up a little bit so the DB has to kind of work around him and gets kind of caught in no man's land trying to work through a body on the way to the football. Plus, the dude's got hands you can count on in those tight spots like we mentioned. And really, that's that's going to be the best way to develop that trust between quarterback and receiver. And I think we've seen that a lot with Mike the last few weeks, catching passes in those tight windows. Get well soon, Mike. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you're back sooner than later. Lynn Bowden, I just like this guy's game, man. In my John Gruden voice, I like his game. He does a nice job of pushing leverage and then breaking his route when the defensive back commits based on that leverage it's similar to him making sudden change of direction bursts with the ball in his hands as a runner which he certainly is capable of as well and he can kind of slow play the release to close ground on the db then explode off the top of the stem and create separation that way be curious to watch some more of his game as we close out the season here down the stretch jakeem just i put a note here about the speed as such a nice element to have in there and the sense of the jet sweep because he carried another one for 12 yards. I talked about the influence it has for play sequencing earlier. It just does so much to hold those defenders for a beat at a time. Uh, Robert Hunt on the offensive line thought he played a really nice game. He's improving in pass protection. It seems every week he's got a really devastating first punch that he throws and then has the active feet to reposition and get himself back into good shape for that kind of second wave of the rep. There's a few times where he's, you know, they slide the protection away from him and he's one-on-one on an island and he holds up pretty well there. Thought he 
also does good to get a good push to widen those B-gap runs between he and the and the right guard where he comes out of that strong source of lower body strength where he pops out of that stance and you see him really shove those, those big heavy hands into the chest pad of the defensive end and it gets a little bit of knockback there and creates a lane. So a good game for Robert Hunt, I thought. thought uh, Austin Jackson had two reps in this game early. I really liked the third down miss on the opening drive, the incompletion. They pick up a stunt and he just stonewalls that thing very well. Then the first play of the next drive, he wipes out the Chiefs edge for a nice seven yard run from DeAndre Washington. And in pass pro, I wrote about this outside arm stab that he just throws the left arm out there and gets a nice little stalemate on the pass rusher going upfield. Then he can get himself back in position to rework for that secondary move. There's some stuff to work there with Austin Jackson. I've been picking up every single week that you like there out of your left tackle. Uh, Durham Smythe, Tua had a seven yard scramble on a bootleg that covered up both pass options. The Chiefs took it away and Durham does a great job to get off that edge and seal that block and, and create an opportunity for Tua to attack the line of scrimmage. Durham does stuff like that every single week that just kind of goes unnoticed. Uh, Ted Larson, I thought he held the point pretty impressively against some some stout bull rushes in this game. Uh, on the offensive line as well, rookie Solomon Kinley. I'm sure there's a few of those reps he'd like to have back, but the theme that I keep going back to with him is the work he does on double teams. He's just flat out overwhelming at times in a way where he swallows up blocks and if you remember back to Steve Marshall, I think it was like October, maybe September, talked about doing a better job of staying on blocks for the entire offensive line. I think he might have a case for the best on the line when it comes to attaching to those blocks. And another note just for the Dolphins offensive line in general, man, Chris Jones, that guy is good. He is tough to get blocked. DeAndre Washington, the first down run where he leaps over the pile. I like that decision because Ted got cut down on the middle of the of the formation and it kind of creates this pile up for players to stack up and DeAndre did a nice job I thought of getting over the line with all those bodies littered in that gap that he was shooting for and Mac Hollins I just put a note in here about his ability to fight back to the football and work through a defensive back he made that nice catch on the first touchdown drive of the fourth quarter getting on top of the DB and coming back through the football so some positive notes there I love Tua's game here thought some of these receivers stepped up big time Mac Hollins Lynn Bowden Jr. and some good moments for the offensive line as the Dolphins do get 27 points in this game. Let's go ahead and flip it over to the other side of the football now and the defensive all 22 review. And we just start again by talking about the mixed looks and coverages and pressure packages of this Dolphins defense. They mix it up all game long. On the very first third down of the game, Bobby McCain is up around the line of scrimmage showing pressure at the line with that zero pressure look that we've all known to grow and love here in Miami. Then he just gets out at the snap and turns and runs vertically with Tyreek Hill. It's a well-executed bracket. But Patrick Mahomes just found a way to make a play in that on that particular instance. But they did some cool stuff to get into their regular four-man pressure looks where it looked like more guys were coming, just constantly showing and running different coverages and pressure packages throughout the course of the game. One of my favorites was on a third and 15 incompletion in the second quarter. The Dolphins bring seven defensive backs onto the field. They play man with some press corners on the outside. McCain is about 20 yards deep off the football behind the sticks. Then Fedulum and Brandon Jones are both playing at the sticks. That's where Mahomes tries to go, tries to squeeze a tight window to Tyreek Hill with the two safeties, Jones and Fedulum are there to force the incomplete pass. It, it seemed like it was something new every play. And that's, you know, I guess that's kind of what you have to do against a quarterback like this that can really dissect you in so many ways. Some individual notes, Raekwon Davis, I thought, you know, he gets consistent knockback. I wrote down first play of the game, walks the center back for a run stop. Then again, then again, he's just so strong and imposing with that first punch. And he's really getting better every single week. Zach Sealer, he wins immediately in a pass rush situation as a five technique on the first and 10 of the Chiefs opening drive and gets immediate pressure. But once again, this happened throughout the course of the game. 
Patrick Mahomes escapes around the edge and then just slings it and makes a big play to Travis Kelsey. Ridiculous throw. But Sealer's hands, I've noticed over recent weeks, are really complimentary to his power where he can put pressure on the opposing pass protection or offensive lineman with a bull rush, but then use those hands to kind of swipe the initial punch away. And he has a bit of quickness in that first step too, where once he gets that swipe and gets his frame clean, he can then get some impressive work going towards the quarterback or working against the run. Christian Wilkins on that defensive line. We talked about the defensive run stops. These guys have all contributed this year is with regards to Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins, just watching him hold the point regularly against double teams, getting into his gap and applying pressure when he gets one-on-one chances inside. He's been such a solid find on the interior defensive line going back to last year's draft. Going back to the second level and the linebackers, want to go ahead and talk about Andrew Van Ginkle, the effort he showed on the tipped INT to Byron Jones to For him to quickly get up after going to the ground like that, he pops right up and you see Mahomes kind of discount, you know, the player on the ground since he's down there, but springs right up, gets his hands in the football for the interception. And Byron Jones, let's go ahead and just put that ball away (laughs) in the open field. On the next drive, Van Ginkle is there on a botched snap to nearly cover it up and get another takeaway for the Dolphins. Then he draws Travis Kelsey on a one-on-one coverage situation on the very next play and gets him down for just seven yards on third and 19 or second and 19 rather which creates a third and 12 and I thought that was pretty impressive to get on his back hip and just make sure you get the tackle after the catch and don't allow any more yak and then on from that next play Jerome Baker makes his first play of the game or first big play of the game Dolphins are in dime defense once again with Bobby and Brandon Jones deep they take away Tyree Kill on a double team and Patrick Mahomes starts to roll that way looking to find Tyreek Hill on that deep over route, but Ogbaz won his pass rush on the front side. Baker's won his pass rush on the backside. Just two one-on-one wins for Baker and Ogba. And then from there, you see Baker's speed, the change of direction, the finishing ability all on display. What a team win on that play and what a great play by Jerome Baker. His second sack is also pretty awesome. Clyde Edwards-Elair releases into the flat to give Mahomes some help as they roll him to that side of the formation. And Baker has to both be responsible for CEH, Clyde Edwards-Elair, as well as Mahomes. He stacks up Clyde Edwards-Elair and keeps his eyes on the quarterback, then detaches very last minute and gets Mahomes to the ground, puts him in a third and 15, which would lead to a uh, Chiefs punt. This is also an awesome, awesome hustle play by Shaq Lawson, who meets Baker at the quarterback, coming all the way from the other side of the formation. He gets off the snap and just sprints over that way when he sees the rollout and gets there to finish off the play there with Jerome Baker. I wrote down Bobby McCain's name as such an integral part of just any plan as he kind of dictates some of those dummy pressure looks, the double teams deep down the field, running deep with the opposition, like a Tyreek Hill, for instance, or the opposition's most explosive player. Two touchdowns were scored with him on the sideline in this game. I just think he's such a key part to one of the league's best defenses and doesn't get enough credit. You see it every week on tape. He's constantly getting himself into the right position and flipping the hips and turning sideline to sideline to get those deep routes run off. He did it again in this game, I thought, very well. And a few more notes here on the Eric Rowe interception slash Emmanuel Ogba portion of the podcast. Rowe's INT comes off a tip pass where Mahomes drifts into some pressure from Ogba really who wins across the face immediately on the right tackle. And Mahomes tries to throw it right back across his body when he falls left to get away from the pressure from Ogba. So you've got two big plays in this game, the sack and the INT that don't show up in his stat line, but impact plays from Miami's defensive end out there. Then he comes back on the next series and impacts a Mahomes pass with a pure bull rush on the right tackle, walking him right back into the lap 
of the quarterback. They just had a tough time with him in general. Either side, run or pass, he was impactful. Also had a tackle on Miko Hardman out wide on a retrace on a screen. So the effort, the power, the speed, the pass rush, the run game, all working for 91 in this game. Brandon Jones, I talked about it on the Sunday recap podcast. He did so well to play the option that option play where Mahomes keeps it, forces the quarterback to keep it because you'd rather have the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands as a runner than you would Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, forces him to keep it, then turns it back inside and gets him to the turf. Later, he beats a block of the Kansas City right tackle to get back involved on a tackle right at the line of scrimmage with Jerome Baker. Love seeing that play. And speaking of Bake, he also beat a block on that play from Travis Kelsey. And then Byron Jones and Xavier Howard talk about these guys all the time on this podcast. Two really impressive cornerbacks. We heard Dan Orlovsky on the top news story on Monday reference that not many teams can replicate what this Dolphins defense does from a style and aggressive standpoint with the two cornerbacks they have out wide and X and Byron with how aggressive and how physical they can be. He just said, if you don't have those cornerbacks, you can't necessarily play the style of play the Dolphins do. And I thought both guys had that kind of good, quiet type of game working well in different coverages, making life tough on guys when they were in man coverage. Byron Jones had one target aside from the INT, which didn't go as a target towards him since it was a tip, but has one target and allows like nine yards receiving. Also had a tremendous, tremendous punch out on the forced fumble, put his knuckles right on the football. And it's funny to talk about Xavier Howard having a quiet game because the interception was just, we talked about it in the Jets recap where he shows the quarterback these windows, then takes them away before they can even have a chance to fit it in there. And he kind of did to Patrick Mahomes on this play, albeit with an ins- a sensational one-handed catch. But two catches on five targets to X, the ridiculous INT. He was pretty, they were pretty rarely targeting X in this game. Did a good job of staying away from both he and Byron Jones, who I just continue to be impressed with how those two guys play on the outside. So that's your All-22 review. Let's go ahead and turn this thing over now to the Dolphins coordinators and offensive assistant coaches. Let's go ahead and start here first with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who first was asked about the performance of Raekwon Davis, who we referenced earlier in the podcast, him kind of coming on over the last few weeks. Here's coach on what impresses him most about his rookie defensive tackle. I think the thing uh, impresses me the most is, is his work ethic and his effort. Um, you know, and we've talked about this guy a lot this year. Uh, he really loves football, um, and he's doing everything he can to get better. And a lot of that is, you know, his work ethic and his effort. I, I can't say enough good things about that. I mean, he plays really hard, and uh, he works really hard, and, he, and he's constantly striving to improve. So we talked about Raekwon Davis's growth over the last few games. Another Alabama product playing for your Dolphins over the last six games has been, or six of the last seven games, has been Tua Tungavailoa. And Chan Gailey answered a question that I asked him about his ability to process all the pressure packages, all the the blitzes the Chiefs threw at him late in that game. I'm sure you guys have seen it. And if you haven't by now, go check out Brian Baldinger's breakdown of Tua and the Dolphins offense. He talks a lot about the ability to get the football out quick against the pressure. A lot of stuff we covered on this podcast with the the quick release, the feet, the hips, the eyes, all that fun stuff. Here's Coach, or here's Chan Gailey, Dolphins offensive coordinator, on Tua's ability to come up with some answers for all those Chiefs pressures late in the game. I wasn't sure he he would be able to do that because he hadn't had to do that yet. And um, so I thought he handled that part of it really well. He saw things uh, that that you can't simulate in practice at the speed uh, and handled it, handled it well. So I think uh, that was encouraging from our standpoint to know that uh, he's seeing things and understanding where to go with the ball and um, making plays uh, when they're bringing all that pressure. That's not an easy thing to do for a young quarterback. So 
uh, I, as I said earlier, I think that, that was a real positive for him. And they did. They turned up the pressure and he handled it. I, I thought that was good. And just continues to kind of jive with the things we heard from people we had in the podcast, the experts in the field, the people that recruit or not recruit, but people that scouted this guy, people that coached this guy, you know, for a long time, seeing those things show up on the NFL tape. It's it's fun to watch. And as Chan Gilly mentioned there, definitely, definitely encouraging with your young quarterback. Let's keep this thing rolling here with Dolphins special teams coordinator Danny Crossman, who was asked about the challenges of all the necessity for players to come off of his unit, or not off the unit, but guys from his unit to go and make significant impacts on offense and defense and play several snaps that way in addition to playing all their core special teams roles. Here's Coach Crossman on the trickle-down effect of having of losing guys on offense and calling up players from special teams to make plays and, and fill those roles. You know, that's, that's part of it. You know, it's, you know, everybody deals with it. You know, we get to what you refer to maybe as the trickle-down, you know, guys... You lose a guy on offense and defense, and uh, that's well known. Uh, but then, obviously, those guys that you know are are core guys for us. You know, they they have to go fill those roles. So uh, that's part of it. Uh, you know, we're it's what we all signed up for. Uh, you know, we had a nice stretch there for a while where we were uh, really pretty healthy and, and and working and using the same guys week in and week out. But uh, this is part of it. And, Along with injuries, now you have the COVID, you know, added to it to the mix this year. But it's what everybody's dealing with. Yeah, you, know, you just got to try and find a way. And speaking of that being part of it and trying to find a way, Dolphins running backs coach Eric Studisville has seen plenty of turnover, plenty of different players called upon for significant playing time this season in that running back room. He says he's seen this before, but that's just part of the game plan, and it speaks to the larger picture about what they want to be as a team in terms of. Everybody has to be ready. Everybody has to prepare. So when your number is called, you can get in there and make an impact. I'd love to be able to tell you that I, I haven't been through this before, but I have. Uh, in in uh, I forget what year it was, but when we played in Kansas City one year in Denver and I lost, I went through uh, three backs in the first half. So um, it, it's happened before, and that comes to – you know, how we set up the room, which is everybody's got to be prepared for everything at all the time. You never know when your opportunity is going to come up. And that's how we talk about it. That's how they're coached. That's how um, we talk about them preparing and getting ready so that no matter when that time is, you're ready to go in the game and perform and do what the team needs you to do to give us the best chance to be successful. Let's keep it rolling here with the Dolphins positional coaches and quarterbacks coach Robbie Brown. And I wanted to go back to that kind of Brian Baldinger breakdown and ask coach about Tua's mechanics and mechanically what makes him different compared to other quarterbacks. Here's Robbie Brown on the mechanical process of Tua Tungavailoa. That is a good question. Um, and everybody's different. I know that sounds like a good answer, but you, as you're trying to get a feel for what a guy does and what he's good at, um, I think, you know, that was something I noticed watching him come out is that he's kind of natural mechanics. Uh, and those are the best ones, um, you know, when they open the right way or angles are good, he throws with good arm angles. Uh, so I would say that his mechanics, just from a base uh, throwing, were, were pretty good when he got here. 
from a player who plays quarterback in the NFL to a guy who was a quarterback last year in college after playing receiver previously at Kentucky and now back to receiver here in the NFL with your Miami Dolphins. Career high in snaps, catches, targets, yards for Lynn Bowden, the rookie receiver out of Kentucky. Wanted to get a couple of questions here for Dolphins receivers coach Josh Grizzard. First, about his ability to embrace the challenge of coming into the Dolphins camp after training camp had already broke. We heard Chan Gailey speak earlier this season about how those installs are kind of things you miss and then you get into the situation where it's game plan specific and, and weekly, week by week specific game plans that he has to kind of learn the other stuff on the fly. So I wanted to get Coach Grizzard's take on his ability to do that, his progress in that area. And then he was also asked about evaluating Lynn coming out of college and some of the things that he did well. Here's a two-part answer for Dolphins receivers coach Josh Grizzard. Great job embracing it. It does take some time to actually learn the playbook once he got here and going through walkthroughs and just trying to get the basic information on what we call formations, motions, things of that nature. Um, at this point in the season, it's very game-specific on how those things adjust. So, I mean, he's got a grasp of, of the whole playbook and then just saying here's the nuances of the game plan this week. And then we always try to get those guys going on different positions as well in case something happened like this past week. So he's he's kept his head down and uh, playing so many positions in college, it comes pretty naturally for him to, to move around like that. And his evaluation pre-draft. I did evaluate him coming out. And I think a lot of the things you see on tape from the position flexibility, um, being able to either throw it, run it, throw it to him on the perimeter, uh, just getting handoffs, the wildcat, I think that stuff shows up and um, just getting the the nuances of the coverages and seeing those things. That's really the, the biggest adjustment that he has gone through playing that slot receiver position in the NFL. But um, it's pretty much as, as expected up to this point. He's done a good job um, coming along. Let's go ahead and finish up with Dolphins tight ends coach George Godsey. Again, all these press conferences can be found up on MiamiDolphins.com on the YouTube page later on in the afternoon as soon as we get those posted for you guys. But he was asked about the evolving nature of the tight end position when they lost Mike Gesicki in the game, if Gesicki's not available for this upcoming game and into the future, the ability to adapt to that and just the general feel for this season, how it's all about adaptability and Miami's ability to do that. Here's coach talking about his tight end room position and how, again, it's all about the ability to adjust and they're going to have to do that if Mike cannot go. Yeah, well, as far as the position goes, I think that's really where <clears throat> the offseason training camp, uh, making sure that everybody knows roles can change, um, especially this year. I think uh, going into the season, that was kind of a, a priority from not only just from Brian and the head coach, just each position, just making sure that everybody was ready in case of something, um, you know, from a medical standpoint, obviously we know in this league injuries are a part of the game. Um, so depending on, you know, Mike's status, if he's, if he's there, great. Uh, you know, he's, he's actually improving each week, like we expected him to. Um, and if he's not, it's the next guy up. So, um, you know, we've had that issue at other positions and, uh, you know, guys have stepped up. So I think from from just an offensive perspective, our guys are ready to you know, step into a role if, if their number's called. So there you go. Very busy Tuesday edition here of the Drive Time Podcast. Hope you guys all enjoyed it as much as I do. Love breaking down the games. Love hearing from the coaches. Love getting into the numbers. Very fun Tuesday edition. And in the meantime, if you haven't checked it out yet, the Fish Tank Podcast with Olindo Mare talking to Seth and Juice over there at the Fish Tank. That podcast is available for you guys right now. 
And don't forget to check out the Audible podcast with John Kinjemi and Kim Bocamper, as well as Drive Time here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and check out MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.